This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here at the Big 8 tournament champion. 93-7 The Ticket veteran and Bill Callahan fan club president, Jake Bakovic. I love Billy. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. We are back at it in another month now, the month of July. It's July 5th on a Tuesday. We got to a little bit of a celebration time on July 4th, but we're back here on the block. Do, Strick, do you think that uh, July 5th maybe should be more of the national holiday where we're all recovering? People are staying up late, you know, blowing up fireworks until 12. You can't go to bed. Maybe July 5th, at least a half day. I mean, that was the crazy thing about it. I mean, they were just really just going nuts yeah. i mean i mean i think in some cities it, it was just a constant some people probably couldn't get to sleep at all but um i think it was a beautiful thing man you know just to see families and friends and you know uh neighborhoods and i mean it was it was i think it was beautiful to see to be able to just ride and just to see the people coming together and enjoying uh that fellowship especially after being you know tied down for probably the last few years and just really being able to do that I thought it was good. Yeah, and it is It is weird. It, like, I was just kind of thinking about it last night or yesterday. I was just kind of, like, doing some, uh, you know, just poppers or whatever in the backyard or, or blackjacks, whatever they are. Uh, in, any, in any case, uh, I just I thought it was kind of weird. It's like, yeah, there's just a few days in the in the year where we're just allowed to let off explosives wherever we want to. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of strange when you kind of think about it. But, some people go all in. I mean, oh, some I people know. go five, eight, seven thousand dollars $7,000 worth of stuff, and they just get to going. But yeah, I, it looked like you had to you had to kind of figure out if this was an in-house like you could tell probably the ones that were kind of in-house they were just kind of you know but the, <laughs> then but then there were some that were in-house but they were just boom boom they were just real you know solid about I was like that can't be anywhere particular but yeah I mean it was, I thought it was awesome man to ride downtown Sorry to interrupt. The uh, Spurs just claimed Isaiah Roby off of waivers. Oh, did they really? Awesome. Good uh, info. Yeah, we were waiting to see we waiting where that see. would land because he was released by the Thunder over the weekend. Um, and it was it's it's kind of weird because it was like the Thunder have have like so many first round draft picks coming up, uh, uh, around the corner. They've got all these projects on the roster, but he had his best year by far, and he played uh, you know a considerable amount for the Thunder. So it was it was kind of a surprise. I know. I'm um, just kind of digging through Twitter. Everybody has different feelings. You know, some Thunder fans were like, thank God. Other Thunder fans were like, oh, I really wanted to keep that guy. Um, but uh, I wondered how long it was going to take him to get picked up. Uh, that should help him, obviously, playing under Greg Popovich is going to be very cool. Maybe can help his development a little bit. Not necessarily. I was kind of hoping for him to, to land with a contender, though. The Spurs aren't necessarily in that position. No, but but sometimes that, that bowls well for you, right? When you're still kind of in that that mid range to low range about people still trying to figure out what your style of play is, how you can be effective, where you can be effective going to a team like that, especially losing the John Murray, the John Murray and, and, you know, just opening up because really they don't know who they're going to go to. They don't know who's going to be, 
you know, a face for their rebuilding in a sense for themselves. They wanted to kind of unload, didn't want to have to pay him the bag that was probably going to be due him. So they're really just kind of looking for um, a cheap version of a player to emerge and and be able to do something for the uh, organization without having to have put forth such uh, you know money into that specific mm-hmm. player. Um, they they probably in a sense and they're really good about this. They're probably in a sense looking at some potential upsides um, with diversity in his style of play, uh, different things like that. I mean, just really think about it. I mean, nobody really thought Kawhi Leonard would be what Kawhi Leonard is. He gets into a good system like like that. Um, if, if, if Roby can be a third or fourth option, I think that would bode well for him potentially landing a, a, a longer term deal. That's kind of the way I view it right now. Just take the opportunity and just really go in, in great shape, um, extended range continuously, uh, maybe even work on your slashing and, 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 you know, just some scoring things, some great counters, come back this next year with, with, with another part or additions to your bag and, and he could be okay. Yeah, and, and for what Roby did last year with the Thunder, he averaged 10.1 points per game, uh, almost five rebounds per game, um, 44% shooting from beyond the arc, 51 overall, uh, when 21 minutes per game last season. So still kind of in a Solid. in a backup role, but really putting up some good numbers there. Again, it's always hard to tell because of the Thunder – uh, they they don't even have like consistent lineups because they they're not really trying to win a certain amount of games or get to the playoffs or anything. They're just kind of in this whole rebuilding um, uh, process, and so he would kind of get frozen out of the lineup at times because they wanted to try some other guys out and and maybe just kind of um, I think just got lost among the projects that was there in Oklahoma City and you can't keep them all. But it's cool to see him go to the Spurs. Uh, maybe he will compete with Doug McDermott now as far as getting some playing time uh, there. We'll see maybe, uh, you know, a stretch forward type of uh, situation for both those guys. Um, you know, when I was thinking about Roby the other day too, it was like, I was trying to think of the best dunkers because I think uh, Trey McGowan's, I don't know if he's going to go down as one of the best Nebraska basketball players that we've seen as of recently, but he, he definitely belongs on the best dunkers list. One of the guys with the most explosiveness. And so I, I'd put him right up there with Roby um, as I'm kind of thinking over the last 20 years or whatever. Uh, who was that guy on your team? Were you that guy? Uh, were you the guy with the explosiveness or who was kind of the best dunker in your era at Nebraska? Probably on my team, I I was one of the more explosive guys, more power uh, type of guys. Whenever I went, it, you know, I was trying to let the rim and everybody in there know that, you know, if I like like I just love one of the things I loved is when we played Oklahoma State and everybody was raving about Brooks Thompson, Brooks Thompson, and you know I just put the Press to him and ripped him a couple times at midcourt. Go down and dunk, you know, one, one, two hand forward and then two hand backward. You know, I, I that was you know one of my things. I think if you watch some of my highlight tapes, it's going to be something hard. Um, you know, Mikey Moore he was that down. Yeah, I think for us, when you talk about dynamic, will put you in a poster, and you wouldn't think it because he was so so slim. Mm-hmm. But he ran like a deer, and Mikey caught a lot of bodies. So I, w- I would say probably Mikey was the one of the more dynamic guys on our team. Do you have uh, do you have just kind of a running list or any other guys maybe outside of your area that you would put on the best dunkers of Nebraska history? Again, it doesn't have to be the best players, but the guys that just went up uh, and, and put on a show because there were times uh, in the last 20 or 
25 years or two where I'm not sure if there was, you know, three guys that could really dunk an in-game dunk. Um, so, you yeah, know, Larry it, 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 Florence. there's times where it came out. Yeah, Laurie Florence could definitely Larry throw Florence down. Larry Florence was one of those guys. Uh, I'm sure I'm, I, I didn't really get to see Cookie too much, but I think Cookie was in there. Maybe uh, maybe Palmer. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, but I, I, I definitely would, would probably say Bryce has got to be up there in the top. Don't even – don't slip on – I mean, I'm not Bryce, but Trey. Yeah. I think, yeah, Trey's got to be in the top, you know, three or half of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think he will. I mean, that's what I'll remember about his game more than anything is that if he went to the rim, <laughs> he was jumping oh, yeah. from uh, the free throw line, it seems like, at times, or a foot inside the three throw line to absolutely throw it down. Um, and I think that, you know, that kind of that, that dog fight, that mentality in him uh, is why you project him to maybe do well in summer league and maybe have a chance. He's he's yeah. one of those guys that just kind of reminds me, and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here. Um, I know he only averaged like 6'5 and 3 or whatever it was. Or, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't an outstanding statistical number for him. But he's, th- he's the type of guy that could seemingly average – you know, six, four, and three at any level. Like his athleticism uh, wouldn't prevent him from not being able to do that at the NBA level. Do you do you perceive like that, that he could do something like that? I mean, I think with the spacing of the day, the way he plays defense, getting into passing lanes, that he would be able to do in the NBA. He would get at least eight points just off of, you know, defensive opportunities. You know, just just yeah. playing the passing and getting out in the in in the break. Uh, the way that he runs, he gets out uh, in the open field, uh, open co- open court, <laughs> not field, but in the open court, he he's he he can be trouble in the open court. Um, I, I would more so say running out as opposed to handling. I think he gets himself more into trouble handling in right. open court than he does. But in a steal situation where he's going to be a one one on one one on two, yeah, I think he can get him easy eight and then his athleticism will allow him to get a couple maybe rebounds maybe a couple putbacks a couple even dunks he could average 10 points in the in, in the nba just just with diva i mean that's that's the way i looked at it i figured you know in, in some of my better years i can easily average 10 to 15 points just because of defense and free throws because you know getting stops getting you know uh steals where i'm able to attack the basket and get to the free throw line i'm an 80 83 plus shooter I just figured yeah you know I can get there you know definitely with time you can definitely do it I mean our game was so much different than now right. but because there were times if, if we didn't have it you know we're waiting on the big guy the post yeah. or whatever play we were setting something up so now shoot they're getting shots off in 18 <laughs> seconds 14 seconds whereas we we're probably taking it down under 10 is there part of you that would like to play in the open open uh that was my game? that was my style there's no question yeah yeah Bach. i mean th- that was my style of play you know they, me and rob pack you know, those those us type of players that's that's our style and it would have been fun to play that style of play yeah no question it would take away your uh you know, the only thing that would take away is your like your aggressiveness on defense you might have to dial it back until the playoffs get and then you could start playing more yeah, yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> defensively you know the style of play is more so team mm-hmm. it, it's very much a team aspect because they're let they're let, they'll let you get away with moving screens a lot more than Back oh, yeah. in my time, you know, that just wasn't acceptable. But, yeah, that's that's kind of where we come from in that, that specific time and age. But other than that, man, you know, guys are pretty good and gifted in using what they allow them to get away with. Oh, yeah. 
to take advantage of it. Uh, if you guys have some any other guys that we were kind of talking about the best dunkers that you've seen in a Nebraska basketball uniform, let us know on the Sutter Haven text line, 402-464-5685. Uh, Sten throws in uh, Dogenduro. Ola Dogenduro could get up there. Um, uh, Palmer and Bryce and Trey. Um, and then uh, some an anonymous Cubs fan throws in Vincent Hamilton. Hands down, uh, was a pretty good ducker in his. Yeah, I, I would say Vince. Vince was just smooth. He, like I'm saying, M- Mikey would. Yeah, yeah. Mikey, <laughs> Mikey would would put you in the rim. Vince would Vince would do it, but he wouldn't do it like trying to put you in the rim. He would just do it just because he was long. He would he would extend and turn it and, and bang on you, but he was just so smooth and cool about it. Vince was like that when he dunked. But <laughs> Mikey would, yeah, Mikey would put you in the rim. My, my apologies for Duro too. I said Ola Duro. That was the defensive tackle. Ade Duro, uh was the basketball player. Really good one here at Nebraska for a little bit. Uh, Kirk from Georgia says, I got to see Strick dunk a backdoor alley-oop at the rec center. Thank God I did not have to guard him. So I'm sure there are a few rec, <laughs> rec center stories uh, from you guys playing back <laughs> in the day. Uh, Aaron says Carl Hayes. Um, yes, yeah, go. One, one of his, uh, Sco. Sco one of his favorite ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, thanks for guys commenting on that. As we're opening up the show today, uh, we're not really planning for it, but a little bit of uh, Isaiah Roby news as he signs with the Spurs, so that's good moving forward um, for the uh, one of the few Nebraska basketball players now in the NBA, but it's, it's growing a little bit, and fortunately for the Nebraska basketball program, the wins aren't coming along with it, so maybe we can kind of dive into that a little bit later, too. I did want to hit on the news of the day as well for Nebraska football. They land their highest-rated commit of the class so far in Omarion Miller, a four-star wide receiver from Louisiana. Um, so no surprise there. Sounds like Mickey Joseph is uh, continuing uh, that fight. He's hot like the block. Yeah. He's hot. He's on roll. He's on a roll. And I think what he's doing, man, I, th- I think it's, it's great in what he's doing because he's just creating so much depth that he understands that it's very possible that he may lose some yeah. in the meantime, in between time. And so – if you have so much depth and so much competition that it, you're still going to have, you know, some valuable pieces in that room once it all starts to cl- – the room starts to clear, you know, just the smoke starts to clear and people starts to uh, – the, the pressure begins to burst pipes, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it seems like the wide receiver room especially has been hit with a lot of turnover at Nebraska with Scott Frost and even in, into the past b- before that. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely expect to see that moving forward as well. Um, for what it's worth, they uh, – Nebraska basketball football program, you might have noticed over the weekend, also grabbed Barry Jackson, a three-star wide receiver from Georgia, more yeah. of a slot, slot type guy. of yeah. Yeah, wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's also important to get the two different types, and that's why you like the big-bodied Omarion Miller. He's uh, he's a guy that's like, like a top 100 by some sites. Most most sites have him at least in his top 150. So like I said, I mean, he's the, he's the leader of the group for Nebraska so far, and we're all still kind of waiting for Malachi Coleman, who... I saw it, it, it. I think accepted an invitation to an All Star game, so he, you know he might wait, uh, wait, wait to announce by then. Um, just because that's always fun to do too. But he seems like a l- strong lean toward Nebraska. It'd be pretty surprising to see him go the other way, and and it just continues to to show what Mickey Joseph has going there. It makes you wonder too. Um, 
you know, uh, you know what they're selling. What all? The, what's the total package they're selling? There's a lot to dive through there through Mickey Joseph's history, obviously, along with Mark Whipple. But uh, I've said it before, and and I'll continue to kind of think it. I know that they've got uh, some running backs in the room that they like. Uh, I know they prefer, like anybody would, to get a running game going a little bit. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see quite a pass happy attack this year from the Huskers as as they uh, maybe you know set this thing up moving forward too. I mean, there's a, it, a lot of it's going to depend on what the line play is, right? Yeah. Obviously, losing, you know, Nui, you know what I'm saying, yeah. is, is a tremendous hurt to the to the front line because he was going to be one of the mainstays. Let's yeah. just be real about it. I think if they can get Corcoran off the outside and move him in, I think that could be valuable for him because I think he'd probably be better on the inside because he was atrocious on the outside. Um, so it's just going to be a matter of we don't know. That's that's really still – I think that's probably the most uncertain area in, in Nebraska football uh, coffers for this upcoming year is what the line's going to be like. So I would venture to say if they're able to move, if they're able to move people, you'll see some run. You'll, you'll see some heavy run with some great pass – you know, uh, play action actions and stuff like that will open up some lanes for a lot of those receivers to do some work, some drags and some, you know, just some crossings. A lot of things that will open up behind those linebackers that they want. Right. If you don't have to worry about that and they're able to get pressures off for then, then it, it just it puts pressure for your wide receivers to be good at creating space. So I think a heavy, a strong run game could be something that if they're able to get movement up front. They're going to go with it. I think they're going to run it, and they're going to run it down your throat, and then they're going to deep ball pay, play action, play you with, with some great underneath actions. I think that's what you'll see. But uh, other than that, you're going to see probably very pass-heavy stuff. If, they're, if their pass protections are way better than their run game, you'll probably see it. So I think that's going to be the determining factor of what that line does. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because you know the line uh, historically at Nebraska has kind of played up and down to, to competition since the pipeline days, which is to be expected considering where they recruited. I always thought Nebraska's lines kind of through the Pelini era, through the Callahan era, you know, there were there were some troublesome seasons here and there, but for the most part was, you know, kind of a B-plus line, always always kind of, you know, once you played the Oklahomas or the Texases or the Ohio States or whatever, it wouldn't hold up as well against the better athletes, but, you know, against the, the other, you know, the other teams, the Big 12 North, uh, and, and, and at times, you know, the, <laughs> probably not the Big 10 West because the last five years have been kind of bad, but, um you know, at, at times just kind of being able to roll over those teams. And so that's kind of what I see um, maybe against the Northwestern to open up the season is maybe a lot heavier of a run attack than we'll see throughout the season just based on uh, the kind of movement you're getting in those games. You always got to adjust see, the game They're going to want to test it. They're going to oh, want to yeah. test it to see. They're going to have those first three games to really test because if you can't move – probably uh, the, the line of Northwestern is going to be more athletic, probably more speedy, you know, than, than the bulky – lines that you'll probably see yeah. later in, in the division. Um, if you can't move these first three, then you're heavy pass. I mean, it's it's going to yeah. be very evident what you're going to be trying to do at that point because that's going to be a determinant. If you dominate those first three, it's going to open up because it's going to create um, – their, 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 when the other teams begin to do the work – to try to figure out and game plan for you in the upcoming games, they're going to be looking at heavy runs, which is going to already start with big play opportunities early in the game. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I would venture to say I'm showing heavy run until you can stop it. But 
we're going to throw that ball too. We're not going to get behind them. We also, I think they're going to do it where they're not going to get behind the, the chains where, you know, first two runs and then you're all of a sudden behind the chains with second and eight or something crazy like that. Yeah. I think they're, they'll probably do some passing on the second down, you know, see if they can get some movement. And then you've got, you know, the big running backs that they've got and also the speed guys out the backfield. Um, they'll be able to do some creative things. I think they'll do some Wildcat stuff with some others too. I think there's going to be a lot hmm. of things in their book that they're going to be able to open up. Well, it's just crazy because it's hard to to pin, you know, know what the who's going to be the leaders on this team. Yeah. I mean, you can't even say it in the wide receiver room. You can make your guesses, um, but you don't know, especially in the running back room. There's like four guys. One of them could break out and be really good. Uh, and and so it's just kind of that same way on offense where you know Mark Whipple likes uh, a heavy dose of his best players. I mean, that's what he does. He tries to to, to get his best players the ball uh, regardless of position. And it's just really hard at this point um, to say who the those guys are we don't you don't have a, a Austin Allen returning or you know some a, a big name player that you can say well that's obviously the focal point and then all these other pieces kind of go around it um, that's why it's hard um, for me a little bit to see the run game get going the traditional run game has obviously struggled and now I think you just take out a, a large part of the um, the quarterback running game because uh, Casey Thompson just doesn't have the body size that Adrian did to kind of you know bounce those off and they overran Adrian uh, was the other part of it. They also, uh, you know, kind of got Adrian uh, hurt too many times. Uh, obviously we saw in the Iowa game, um, that game plan without Adrian with Logan Smothers in there, not sustainable over a long period of time, um, completely different offense. But I, I just, I, I continue to, to think that, I think that there's going to be some games where they really get stuck passing the ball because if their traditional running game gets shut down, um, they don't have that, that quarterback threat as much as they have had in the past. Well, and that's the good thing about having a big wide receiver core, right? You're, you're able to run different types of looks uh, out of that wide receiver. You can go big. You can go possession style. You know, third down and short. You can go with some possession type guys and put them in the slot, big body guys. Um, move them around a little bit. There's things you can do out of the backfield with Ramir Johnson. You know, there's a, there's a lot of different things you can do with the core of guys that they've got right now. You can move Trey around outside to inside to slot to jet to, you know, there's guys like that on their team, you know, with Casaneda as well, that you can do different things like that as well. Uh, we don't know what the freshmen are going to do when they come in. We don't, we don't know what's going to come out. We don't know what the connections. Is there my, – my interest is, is there going to be an emergence of an Addison type? Not that he's on that type of level, but I'm saying somebody who is Casey Thompson's, like, Julian Edelman to oh, Tom yeah. Brady. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, when I know I need something to get done, I can count on him. Who's that going to be? That's what I want to know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you're going to have third down in situations. You're going to have third down – and crucial to move that ball in order to win games. That's how you got to win games. You got to be able to, you know, get that first down and move the clock and, and make it to where, you know, you can pretty much end it without having to worry about the defense. You need to be able to move that, that ball to be able to keep the defense fresh so that they can run multiple guys out there because we still don't know what their defensive uh, front line is going to be like on the inside and how much energy they're going to have to be able to – or how many they can rotate in to keep them fresh. So those are a lot of the things that they're, that offense is going to have to do. They've got to be successful on third down, which they were not last year Some in some instances. Their third down packages to me were bad. Well, and Adrian, too, would get locked in on a guy or, yep. or make a pre-snap uh, judgment with where he was going to mm -hmm. go to the ball. Um, K 
Casey, for what it's worth, too, last year had that guy in Xavier Worthy, who's one of the best freshman uh, wide receivers in the nation, now going to be one of the best wide receivers in the nation. Um, and uh, so he had that guy that he could lean on at Texas. You wonder if, you know, Trey Palmer or somebody can step yeah. up. Omar Manning, big body, can be that guy that, you know, you don't want to make those pre-snap decisions. But even as a coach, as a quarterback, whatever, at certain plays in the game, you want to say, I want to see our best player get a chance at this. To, you know, let's win or lose with our best player. And so, you know, if you can design it to have a one-on-one, -on -one out there and just throw a lob up um you know that's that's something we could see there uh and uh marcus washington another guy that maybe yeah. could be that guy he had a, a, a bit of a drop problem at texas was probably um isn't isn't preferred for that but you know drops are are, are one thing you'll see if it can you know be problematic one year at, at times during your career and kind of drop off later so we'll see if he can kind of move past that as well uh no shortage of stuff to talk today uh, about here on the block uh when we come back colin cowherd had a uh a not very nice comment about Nebraska on Twitter over the weekend. Uh, riled some people up. I'll say just get used to it. That's kind of the L.A. attitude uh, with our new partners over there at UCLA and USC. So we'll talk about that uh, as well as uh, a few other things coming up next year on the block at 93.7 The Ticket.